Hey there, we're the West Slot Pirates and welcome to the show. We're here to share our thoughts on Northwestern athletics and college sports with thoughts and analysis from the visceral to the statistical. We run our tailgate with the red pirate flag flying high above as we give no quarter, especially the fourth. I'm Sam Walter. I'm John Lacombe. And I'm Eric Skoskowspo. It has been since Rutgers has joined the Big Ten and uh, we have yet to preview them this late in our previews uh, because finally... We get to play Rutgers. Uh, it's been what four or five years already, and uh, finally we get it, we get a little sample of the pride of Piscataway. I don't even know if that's what they're called, but that's what I'm calling them from now. Happy birthday to us! <laughs> finally, gosh, yeah. So um, you know, Northwestern heads out to New Jersey on October 20th for their homecoming. Yeah, that, that, that's, that's good for them. Um, but, uh, time to take a look at the Rutgers Scarlet Knights and, and John defensively. Tell us about <laughs> Rutgers. Well, uh, here's what went right for Rutgers in 2017. Jesse Annabonham got hurt and Nebraska forgot how to play defense. Yes, those two events happened far away from the aforementioned Piscataway, New Jersey, But this pair of disasters in Lincoln and College Park, Maryland, allowed Rutgers to basically roll out the exact same defense they featured the year before, yet achieve an improved standing. Instead of being either the 13th or 14th best defense in the Big Ten, the Scarlet Knights were solidly 11th. And Rutgers really did roll out almost the exact same defense. The team is built around two lunch pail do-everything linebackers. And I say do-everything because the other nine guys seem to just stand around while Trevor Morris and Deontay Roberts try to do everything for them. Um, they don't come close to succeeding, but it isn't from lack of trying. Those two guys produced a combined 222 tackles last year. The second straight year, they've gone over 200 tackles as a tandem. Um, in fact, for Rutgers, the entire... Pretty much the entire back seven is back, which, yay! Um, <laughs> I thought this was great. Athlon Sports described Rutgers as having, quote, three Big Ten caliber cornerbacks available on the roster, which actually made me laugh out loud when I read it. <laughs> like, woohoo! They have, like, Rutgers has three players available at cornerback who are actually good enough to play in the conference that their entire team is supposed to be good enough to play in. So good on you, Rutgers. Um, So Rutgers did intercept 12 passes as a team last year, which was up from eight the year before. So I guess that's something. Um, Here's the easiest way to sum up the Rutgers defensive line. Last year, this unit featured a future second-round NFL draft pick in Chemico Ture. Um, Do you know why Ture was drafted in the second round? Because he looked awesome at the Combine. Do you know what Ture's senior statistics were in 12 games started? 65 tackles, 7 tackles for loss, 4 sacks. This is what it looks like when you put a future NFL player alongside 10 guys who are lucky to be playing Power 5 football. So don't be surprised if Chemico Ture puts up 15 sacks in the NFL next year when he isn't double and triple teamed on every down. Look, was Rutgers legitimately better last year than they were in 2016 on defense? Yes. They had their moments, chiefly holding Purdue to 12 points. 
and Maryland and Illinois to 24 points, and Rutgers won all three of those games. So great. Wonderful. But over the past two years, this team has had the ever-loving crap kicked out of it by Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, Michigan State, and Indiana by a combined score of 462 to 54. And those are five Big Ten East teams that Rutgers will have to play this coming year and every year until they finally get kicked out of this conference. So rejoice, Cats fans. We finally get to play this god-awful team and this god-awful defense. Is there another chemical Teray lurking somewhere on the roster? Who cares? Pass me the popcorn. <laughs> wow. Hey, as far as their defense goes, don't forget that they did shut out Morgan State last year. So true. Sorry, sorry. I should have led. I should have led with that. My mistake. Uh, offensively, Scuzz, anything rosy to say about the Scarlet Knights offense? Well, uh, you could say maybe it's rosy that Rutgers will introduce their ninth offensive coordinator in the last nine years. <laughs> <laughs> Amusingly, it's the same offensive coordinator they had 10 years ago. My God, that's John McNulty's music. (laughs) (laughs) All good things, circular. Doing the bull dance, feeling the flow. Um, Time is a flat circle. Now, what's exciting, I guess, is that McNulty had an awesome offense uh, 10 years ago at Rutgers. Much of that was in part, uh, much of that was due to the presence of one Ray Rice. Who was, ele- who was electric in, in college for Rutgers. Uh, McNulty also had an experienced QB in Mike Teal and a future NFL talent in Kenny Britt at wide receiver. I can tell you that none of these things exist for Rutgers today. Uh, the, the presence of Illinois in the conference is the only thing that kept Rutgers from being the worst team uh, in every major offensive category last season. The run game was reasonable, uh, and you've already heard that the defense, well, I'll leave that alone, Um, (laughs) but the quarterback was a complete disaster, and the wide receivers were possibly even worse. They had 1,400 total passing yards for the year, and no wide receiver caught a touchdown in their last 11 games. Oh, my Lord. Wow. The tight end, Jerome Washington, uh, originally at – University of Miami transferred to Rutgers. He led the team with 28 receptions and 282 yards. Now, some of this you can certainly pin on the coaching staff. Uh, Last season, uh, to introduce their eighth offensive coordinator in eight years, Rutgers turned uh, to Jerry Kill, someone who we're very familiar with uh, on this podcast due to his tenure at Minnesota. And Jerry, uh, bless him, went back to his bread-and-butter running-based offense does everyone still remember uh, future NFL number one draft choice, Mitch Leitner? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so as a result, I mean, you can you can just close your eyes and envision what Rutgers looked like last year. On standard downs, they ran all the time. They had a success rate below 50%, and they were the least explosive team in all of college football, number 130. They also had three quarterbacks who severely lacked in accuracy, Leitner, Leidner, anyone? <laughs> uh, and because of how poor they were on, you know, first and second down in running situations on longer downs and distance, they were absolutely toast. It was an utter disaster. 
the positive news and the hope is that they kind of can't get worse. And making the change in coaches is a really smart decision. Um, you know, McNulty is not going to be able to to lean on a heavy run-based offense that ran through Ray Rice uh, 10 years ago, but his attack is much more like, I'll say modern, than Jerry Kills and will attempt to at least attack downfield and throw the ball a little bit more. So let's talk personnel. Um, the running backs are solid. The game, the running game last year was was okay. Uh, Raheem Blackshear, uh, who was – I think he was a third down back last year. He, he, he comes back. He, he averaged 6.1 per carry. He, he did have two receiving touchdowns too. Uh, but the bigger news for their running game is that John Hillman, a grad tra- transfer from Boston college uh, brings a fair amount of size and speed to the team. Now, like some reports say like this guy is awesome. He's going to be great. I heard, I heard another podcast decide to describe him as a guy who hits the hole really hard and doesn't go very far. So, you know, remains to be seen. I think, the bigger problem is the offensive line is really young. Uh, they've only got one senior. They've got two new players at guard, but they do have some talent. Um, the offensive side of the ball is absolutely where where Coach Chris Ash has been recruiting to. The de- <laughs> you look at the ratings across <laughs> the defense, and it is it is stark. Uh, but there are at least some players on the offensive side with some pedigree. Uh, I think the, the wide receivers remain a disaster. They kind of can't be worse than last year. Washington, the tight end I mentioned, is uh, is back, uh, and they've got a guy named Bo Melton who is presumed to be uh, kind of a, a big downfield threat. He did next to nothing last season, but reportedly he's had a good spring. And I think, you know, if you think about Jerry Kill, the offensive philosophy and execution uh, of the offense last year, it could not have been a worse situation for a speedy freshman receiver to be in. Other names to watch out for, Eddie Lewis, uh, Zaheer Lacewell, and uh, Davion Robinson. These are all freshmen. The latter two have some significant height, so they're at least bringing in some guys that look like Big Ten receivers uh, on Rutgers and remains to be seen how they'll play. I think at quarterback, this is where Rutgers has some actual real hope. Um, 2018, probably a stretch, but 2019, uh, I think I, I think some of the seeds that they might sow this year can start to come to fruition. Um, so Giovanni, uh, Rossigno returns for his senior season, but to quote Bill Connolly, he quote, has spent the last two seasons winning and losing the starting job, uh, sacks, poor completion rate, uh, barely over five yards per attempt. Just not, not great. All the hope is in highly regarded freshman quarterback out of IMG Academy, Arthur Sitkowski. Uh, this guy originally committed to Miami, but then decommitted like decommitted for Miami and the next day picked Rutgers. Um, and it was, he's from, he's from New Jersey. He wanted to play at Rutgers. He wanted to help turn this program around. Uh, there's something to be said for that. So, Jerry kill was still the offensive coordinator when this guy, uh, committed and so, like, somehow he convinced him that he runs like a multiple pass happy offense. Uh, but Sikowski won't have to worry about that anymore. And he should blossom into a nice piece for Rutgers. He's a tall kid. He's six, five. He's very much a pro style QB. Um, he'll be able to, you know, kind of rely on the, on the running game this year and, and maybe come to his, come into his own. But as it relates to Northwestern and we've talked ad nauseum in these previews about pro style QBs and frankly, like unexperienced quarterbacks to boot, like this, this is shaping up to be a very nice matchup for Northwestern's defense come uh, October 20th. Uh, so we'll talk about the Rutgers schedule. They uh, opened the season at home against Texas state. 
Then they traveled to uh, Columbus to take on the Buckeyes. Um, could be a very interesting situation for Ohio State, but with uh, all of their off-the-field incident issues that they have working on, but it's Rutgers, so it shouldn't be a problem. Uh, then they go to Kansas, uh, back home for Buffalo, uh, Indiana, and Illinois. Uh, they hit the road to take on Maryland. They're, uh, like, can I can I just stop you right here, sure. Sam? They hit the road to take on Maryland, and they may never come back. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, their plane is going to come back uh, for Northwestern. Then they get their bye week, which they're, they're going to need for the end of their schedule. Uh, at Wisconsin, home against Michigan, home against Penn State, at Michigan State. <laughs> Oh, Nelly. <laughs> oh, my God. It, it kind of breaks better than they could have ever hoped, right, though? I mean, I guess the one problem is they need their youth to grow up in a hurry because all the winnable games are front-loaded. But come the back half of the season, I mean, like as injuries pile up or those sorts of things, like they can kind of phone it in and just not worry about it. I mean, they, <laughs> yeah. they, they, they've got to hope that they've got their sixth win by the time they get back from Maryland. Otherwise. If they look, if they just look at it as a seven-game schedule that starts September first and ends October thirteenth, there's a lot of winnable <laughs> games for them on that schedule. You know, um, Theor- it is kind they of funny, could right? Theoretically, go six and one there, right? It, I it mean, Indiana pretty, maybe. It is pretty crazy. I mean, right? I mean, they managed to get a, a relatively watered down Ohio State aside, non-con, and then yeah, the dregs of the conference. So. Um, that is that is just insane. It is so it, it is crazy that there's a potential six and six finish here for the Scarlet Knights. Um, now I don't see them winning Indiana, Illinois, and Maryland, ex- especially since remember Indiana's been annihilating Rutgers. Like we're not giving Indiana a lot of credit right now. They've they obliterate Rutgers when they've played Rutgers in recent history, and they're getting Rutgers at home. So um, that that may no be that the that, one. Ga- that game's in in Piscataway. oh no I'm sorry right it is in Piscataway so um, yeah they get Indiana at home they get Illinois at home um, they're on the road to Kansas which is probably the same as a home game good lord if if you watch that game you are a degenerate gambler <laughs> <laughs> yes um, well I please don't bet on Kansas Rutgers like whatever you're doing or maybe the under I don't know. But man, you know, I I still am like I don't know what Sitkowski. I mean, again, that's noble of you, dude. But man, oh man, um, he should have talked to Kemigo Ture and been like, "Do you know what it's like to be the one good player?" <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was thinking that like sometimes a really you know transcendental player can can lift a boat, um, but it seems like Rutgers has the opposite effect generally. Oh, I just. Uh... Yeah, no, and, you know, it's funny. I feel like Rutgers has gotten a little bit worse every year since they joined this conference, and they've always been much better offensively than defensively, but I don't know. I just don't feel like there are a heck of a lot of ponies on that team, and, and yeah, all all credit to Sitkowski. Yeah, but, man, might be a rough four years, dude. Yeah. Uh, interestingly, Rutgers has won all three prior meetings with Northwestern, which took place between 1919 and 1991. Um, when we, we also do play them on their homecoming. Uh, they're 2-2. I'm, sure, oh, I'm sure it'll be packed. 
there, there's uh, going to be a, a lot of purple in that stadium. What with the, yeah, the New York sure. Northwestern contingent? Yeah, I don't know. Do, do, do the New Yorkers want to go to Rutgers? I mean, chance to see Northwestern in, live and in person without having to I, come all the way back to Chicago. I would do it. I'm just, you know. Hit um, the bar after, maybe score with a bridge and tunnel girl. You can't go wrong, man. <laughs> Oh boy, um, I'll, I will say though, like, there's no Big Ten game that I don't get nervous for, and I mean, this is one of those that you just, you just, you're terrified about Northwestern coming in with ex, like expecting to win or you know not being mentally focused, um, and I just, oof. I don't know that I'd call it a trap game, but it is between uh, our homecoming versus Nebraska and when we host Wisconsin. So, I mean, if we're on a roll with, you know, maybe we, we lose one one or both of the Michigan-Michigan Michigan State games, we could still be 4-2 and two with a chance to hit Wisconsin and win the, the division going like with this Rutgers game in between and uh, I don't know like to your point though I mean the the Rutgers defense should do a pretty good job approximating the Wisconsin defense so I think we'll be able to read that <laughs> <out>. <laughs> oh yeah I guess if we just prepare like we're gonna play Wisconsin and pretend I mean Rutgers wears red right right um, exactly consider it an extra week of practice for the Wisconsin game and practice hard um, so they were four and eight last year. Thoughts on this season? Ceiling of six or I can't believe they have a ceiling of six, but they do. If this if Sikowski lives up to his his rep- recruiting profile and I mean and you like IMG Academy, right? Like their job is to prepare guys for college football. Um I mean if he can live up to that. I certainly think six and six is plausible, but it feels it feels like a bridge too far given just how much of a lack there is in talent in other spots. I'm gonna say that they don't get both Illinois and Maryland this time out, and they get smoked by Indiana. And I'll say four and eight for the second straight year. I'll, I'll give them five. I think they can beat Illinois. Oh, that yeah, that's that's for darn sure. They sure can. <laughs> <laughs> let's not step on future podcasts here, guys. Let's let's save a little bit uh, for later in, yeah. the, in the preview season. Bullshit. Let's. <laughs> I want to unload on Illinois in every format yeah. possible. Spoil, spoiler alert. Sorry, Illinois is bad at football. I hate to step on future pods. <laughs> Well, we'll go ahead and leave it there for our Rutgers preview. Head to our website, westlotpirates.com, where you can leave comments and questions. You can find us on Facebook. Find us on Twitter, at Pirates. You can call our voicemail line, 847-231-2287. That's 847-231-CATS. And email the show, westlotpirates at gmail.com. Tune in next time as we give our visceral and statistical views on Northwestern athletics. And look for us in the Westlot of Ryan Field flying the red pirate flag, because we give no quarter, especially the fourth. For John Lacombe and Eric Scousboy, I'm Sam Walter. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time.